If you enjoy the harrowing of Minerva Damson and want to join the Order of Joan in their fight against the monsters stalking the trenches, there are several ways you can support the war effort. Find us on Patreon and enlist, or donate to the Order on Acast. You can also connect with Order Headquarters via Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Links can be found in our bio. The Harrowing of Minerva Damson is a horror podcast and contains descriptions of war that some may find graphic or disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. As the spring rain pelted the leaky roof above her head, Minnie Damson frowned at the chaotic room around her. Not an inch of it was left unturned. The simple but sturdy table was cracked and scored all over. The china shattered all over the floor. Dried herbs and book pages scattered over everything. Broken glass, blood, and mayhem. What a gruesome sight. She towed aside a splinter of wood, formerly part of the chair leg now in pieces around the room, and winced. The weather had turned cold, making her ankle ache. And if that wasn't bad enough, she'd stepped on it wrong getting out of the vehicle that had brought her to Saint-Toire-à-la-Grotte in the Vosges Mountains. Motor vehicles were supposed to be superior to a horse and cart, but Minnie's backside didn't feel any better than if she'd rode up in a buggy. But then the roads were in atrocious shape, worse for the encroaching German lines prompting sudden detours down old country lanes. What was the name of this practitioner? she asked, crouching next to a hunter's steel jaw trap that had become wedged beneath the underside of a broken, battered couch. There was dried blood on its teeth. The Sûreté detective said something cross-sounding. A flash of angry frustration boiled through Minnie. He'd moved to her left after she'd specifically asked him not to. She had already explained that she was deaf in that ear due to an injury sustained at the front. Instead of earning her the modicum of respect and consideration she had hoped it would... The detective was acting as though she were lying and had gone about trying to prove it at every opportunity. She straightened and turned to him. He was glaring at her, as if she were the one being difficult. Could you repeat that, please? The detective huffed impatiently. Practitioner, he repeated. She was no practitioner. She was a witch. The order should tell us the names of the others in this area, so that we may take heed of them. 
Minnie, bristled. Did he think her so naive? Even with her expedited training, the Order had warned them about this. Given their names, someone like this detective would whip up a mob to go round them up. The Order had strict policies about disclosing such information for a reason. Justice, when it came to that sort of thing, was theirs, not a mob's. And anyway, there were always villagers who knew the identities of the local witches, and if none of them had given the others up, then clearly they were in the business of doing more good than harm. What was the witch's name? Marie Babineau, he spat on the ground. She has been dead for three weeks, and the town is better for it. As if he, a visitor to the town himself from the larger Schulte department in Epinel, would know. Likely, he simply wanted to wash his hands of this mess and return to his city. Minnie couldn't begrudge him for that, even if she didn't like him. Sanctuaire à la Grotte was far too close to the front for comfort, situated between the front-line trenches and the first firebreak. She also did not want to tarry here. The firebreaks were a series of hastily made trenches dug at intervals behind Allied lines to prevent exactly the scenario that had occurred over a month ago with the dead push, when the British lines were overwhelmed and almost broken by an undead horde controlled by German sorcerers. Since then, the use of magic in the war had grown even more aggressive on both sides. Marshal Tetro had briefed Minerva on the facts of her mission, but encouraged her to check them again once she arrived in the small township of Sanctuaire à la Grotte to see if she could extract any additional intelligence. So far, Minnie had only confirmed what was already known. Three weeks ago, a witch powerful enough to be classified as a sorcerer by the name of Colette Fabre had traveled independently of her coven from the Lozier region to the front. She had stayed with a friend, this witch, Marie Babineau, and together they called up a monster they intended to unleash upon the Germans. Their plan only worked so far. They successfully summoned the beast, but were unable to bind it to their will. Subsequently, it had killed Marie and a dozen townspeople before moving north, leaving a trail of bodies in its wake. Colette's fate was less certain, but it was theorized that she had either been consumed by the monster or become it as could only be expected, really, from trying to control the beast of Gévedon. We would like nothing more than to burn this miserable hovel to the ground, the detective continued, eyeing the ruined cottage with obvious disdain. How many nights must we receive before we may rid ourselves of it? Four is quite enough. Four? Minnie frowned. She had been told she was the third. The first night they had sent had died in pursuit of the beast. The second had been found injured two days before Minnie was summoned to speak with the marshal and magistra at the Luneville outpost. The detective gave her a withering look that clearly conveyed what he thought of her intelligence. Yes, four, he said, exaggerating his enunciation, then set his mouth in such a way that told Minnie he would say nothing further on the subject. Or anything, really. Minnie would have to cable her commanding marshal about the discrepancy later. For now, it wasn't wise to pursue that line of questioning further. It would make the order appear disorganized, and the sûreté of this town already held them in low regard. Then pray I am the last. She sighed and took one more glance around the cottage. 
There was nothing here that wasn't in the report she had studied the night before her departure from the Luneville Order outpost. The only thing to do now was to see if any of the witnesses in town that had not been interviewed by the nights before her were willing to talk. From there, she would head to the location with the most recent reports of attacks by a large, wolf-like beast. A spate of crackling artillery fire joined the grumbling thunder outside. The detective's sour demeanor shifted to anxious. It had been coming more frequently over the last few hours, like contractions before birth. Many didn't want to think about what could be born of such violence. Now, mademoiselle, we must really head back to the village. Night will be falling soon. He stepped outside, careful to open his umbrella only after he exited. Minnie joined him under the umbrella, and they began walking down the muddy country lane. The village proper was nestled in the meadow between a blue alpine lake and the forested red sandstone slopes characteristic of the Vosges. It had almost 2,000 residents, the majority of which lived within the village's medieval walls. A cathedral and ruined castle were situated up against the mountain's incline, a testament to the importance and size of the settlement in ages past though no longer enjoyed. It was, to Minnie's American eyes, quite an enchanting picture. The meadow surrounding the village was green and bursting with mountain flowers. The woods were carpeted with moss and mushrooms, and the medieval charm of the buildings and tumbled ruins put her in mind of a fairy tale. She suddenly wished she had a camera, or maybe an easel and canvas to paint the spectacular scene, so beautiful in the midst of all this ugliness. She could send the product to her brother with a note about how it was just the place to search for fairies, much better than their kitchen garden, where they had searched in vain when they were children. She swiftly dismissed the notion, not simply because she didn't have a camera or time to paint, nor because such a letter would surely embarrass Benjamin in front of his peers. It was that, even as she looked at it, the rain and the growl of the machines of war somewhere over the mountain ridge leached the color and wonder from the scene, rendering it gray and grim. Capturing it seemed utterly pointless. They joined the main road and wound their way down to and through the medieval walls, still hemming in the oldest quarters. Villagers were busily conducting the last business of the day or winding down at their choice of bar, eyes periodically turning to the east whenever the artificial thunder intensified. Many had rooms above one such bar, simply titled The Brew House. The Sûreté detective parted from her at the door and bellied up to the bar, joining the local men already unwinding there with little more than a curt nod and farewell to her. That was well, since she had no more desire to talk to him either. Instead of heading up to her rooms or brazenly ordering a drink and joining the men, she asked the barkeeper for an umbrella and headed back out into the rain a list of names and addresses in mind. She wandered through the winding cobblestone streets, trying to find the homes or businesses of the people left to be interviewed. Most were shut up and empty. The looming threat of the front lines had driven many inhabitants, particularly those with young children, further into France. Many found one young woman closing up her family's shop, but the account she offered of the events of that night three weeks ago was similar to what the Order already knew. Just after midnight, a beast had torn through the streets, leaping atop anyone who happened to be in its way and promptly freeing their throat from their flesh. 
It was fortunate there were so few people about at that late hour, or the casualties would certainly have been higher. The woman had been terrified, naturally, but she knew nothing else. Her list dwindling and the hour growing dark, Minnie made one last stop at a small bookstore situated on the old market square. Above the rooftops, the Grand Cathedral's silhouette loomed dark and heavy against the slate-gray sky. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A small bell tinkled as she opened the door. From somewhere between the tightly packed shelves, the shop owner shouted, Be there in a minute. Minnie waited, inhaling the scent of aging books and ink. It put her in mind of school days spent in the library, either engrossed in reading or tittering with her friends behind cupped hands as the librarian shot them baleful looks. On a nearby display shelf, she spied an old copy of The Count of Monte Cristo, bound in red cloth, its embossed cover somewhat faded. Gently, she traced the title's letters and smiled ruefully to herself. When she had read the book a few years ago, all she cared about was the adventure, 
Now she had her share of her own to her name. Such danger and exhilaration she could only have vaguely pictured as a girl. Her younger self would have been ecstatic at the arc of her life so far. At present, Minnie was torn. It wasn't that she wasn't proud of what she had accomplished so far. It was just that there was so much she hadn't expected to lose along the way. But that was the nature of adventure, wasn't it? Perhaps she should have paid more attention to everything that came along with it, she thought wistfully, before the shopkeeper finally emerged from between the stacks. He stopped short when he saw her uniform. Monsieur Bisclavre, I'm glad to have found you here, Minnie said. Her French had improved a great deal over the last few months. I'm Night Maiden Damson, and I have a few questions for you. Michel Bisclavre recovered and nodded. Of course, Night Damson. I was just closing up. Do you mind if I finish? Not at all. Minnie watched the man as he went about his closing routine. He was in his late thirties, dark-haired and light-eyed. His admirable mustache was streaked here and there with white. He had a slight limp when he walked. There was a twitchiness about him, though that wasn't unusual. Most people got nervous when suddenly confronted by an authority of any kind, and Bisclavre was a practitioner, one of the surviving members of the tiny registered coven and Sanctuaire à la Grotte, so it was no wonder a knight of the order might give him pause. Surely he must have expected to talk to them sooner or later. Knights seldom interfered with regular coven business, but never failed to intervene when it resulted in harm to the general populace. Bisclavre scooped some books from his shop counter and gestured for Minnie to follow him. They wound through the shelves to a small, cozy back room, where he immediately set about making a pot of coffee on a small range tucked in the corner. It was a peace offering if Minnie ever saw one. Coffee was rationed, and he couldn't have much lying around. You've been a hard man to reach, Minnie observed, noting a new roll of booms from the front that sent low rumbles through the stone walls. Bisclavre set two mugs down on the table between them and sat. He flinched as he did. At her questioning look, he explained, An old football injury. It flares up when it rains. As for where I've been, I've been on a buying trip. It's hard to get anyone to deliver books this close to the front, but people still need to read. He smiled slightly. It's the only escape some of us have from this madness. Minnie nodded. She could certainly sympathize with the stubborn ache of an old injury, and his answer as to his previous whereabouts was a sweet one, though whether it was true or not was less certain. It also sounded like the perfect lure down the avenue of small talk, and Minnie simply did not have time for that. Your head of coven was Marie Babineau, correct? Bisclavre's mouth twitched under his mustache, put out, perhaps, by her American forthrightness. Yes. And Colette Fabre, did you know her? Yes. How? The coffee percolator on the stove began gurgling. Bisclavre cleared his throat. Madame Fabre was a good friend of Marie's. She had long made annual trips to come see Marie... But a few years ago, Colette offered to teach us some of the methods her coven used in the South if we returned the favor. It was a good idea, if a bit unusual. Not every coven is keen to share their secrets. But it is certainly true that our understanding of magic, our practice, and the occult world are deepened when we do share. Was the visit three weeks ago her typical annual trip? No, it was... Well, you understand... The practicing world has been just as affected by the war as anybody. 
More so in many ways, because every army is searching for stronger practitioners. After so many centuries of hiding, it's unsettling. The percolator quieted, and Bisclave rose to remove it from the stove. And naturally, given the choice, a great deal of us are simply not interested in fighting for the military, at least not with our magic. But that is not to say we do not wish to serve or help our country where we can. He poured the coffee into their cups and pulled out a box of powdered milk to offer her. Evidently, he did not have any extra rationed sugar. Minnie accepted a spoonful of powdered milk and stirred it into the black coffee as Bisclavre settled himself again, flinching. Uh, Marie Roquelette. With the front right outside our proverbial door, she was afraid for saint Grote and for France, really. She wanted to know if Colette knew of any spells we might use to bolster our defenses. Colette said she had something better. Minnie nodded, sipping the hot coffee. Were you there that night with Babano and Fabre? Bisclavry shook his head, a pained expression on his face. No, I was not. Marie and Colette were strong enough practitioners on their own that they didn't need the support of the coven for this. They wanted to protect the three of us, myself, Jean, and Augustine, in case, well, in case we were discovered or something went wrong, as it did. Admirable as that was on Marie and Colette's part, it was bad news for many. Neither of the other two coven members had been able to offer any insight either, and they had left Sanctuaire à la Grotte after their initial interviews. The only two people who knew exactly what happened that night were dead or missing. Did you have any idea at all what they might do? He hesitated, taking a quick gulp from his coffee. When Colette arrived, she had a wolf with her. It was under an illusion that made it look like a dog to most people. A wolf? Neither of the other coven members had mentioned that. I was concerned and asked Marie what they were going to do. She told me what they planned, not the specifics, mind you, but that they were hoping to summon the Beast of Jevedon and turn it on the Germans. I told her it was a bad idea, that we should stick to shoring up saint defenses, but she trusted Colette. He paused, warming his hands around the hot cup. I know some of the legends surrounding the beast and lycanthropy. I suspect it might have something to do with drinking water from the wolf's paw print on the night of the full moon. It was a full moon that night. That had been one possibility listed in the dossier Minnie had read. So it was Colette that transformed into the beast. Bisclave sighed. You must understand, even if they borrowed from the legends, the magic they used was novel. Legends are stories tangled together. They're only marginally useful for magic. There's always room for interpretation, and a certain flexibility is needed. And with a spell so powerful, experimentation is perilous. Whether the Beast of Jevedon was originally a man who transformed into a wolf, or a, a monster that simply appeared like a wolf, is unclear. It is perfectly possible that Marie and Colette tried several methods or blended techniques to harness the power of that beast's essence. And it is impossible to say without more physical evidence whether whatever came out of that cottage was once a wolf or Colette. Either way, it is neither of them now. And Marie's place is such a mess. All we know for certain is that Marie's dead. And so are many of our neighbors. It was a travesty. Now it is out of our control. Minnie emptied her cup and contemplated Bisclavre. 
He looked positively miserable. But who didn't these days? What kind of magic do you specialize in? Recalling himself, Bisclavery blinked and looked up. Me? Minnie waited. I dabble in a little bit of everything, though I'm not terribly good at anything. I'm mostly a dowser. I help the locals find lost things, and sometimes good places to dig for groundwater or ore. I'm a man of theoretics more than anything. As you might imagine, I'm an avid reader. Dowsing? Perhaps this might not be entirely a bust after all. Could you douse for the location of the beast? He squirmed. I have already tried, but you must understand. The beast is a creature of powerful magic. It could just as easily confuse the dowsing magic as attract it. It isn't a guarantee at all. If you had something of the creatures, that would help, wouldn't it? Beast Glavery's distress deepened, a sweat breaking out across his brow. Yes, but, but the cottage is in shambles. Blood, hair, and everything everywhere. Trying to find something that belonged to the beast and not Marie or any of its constituent parts, as Colette and the wolf might be, would be... Difficult? Minnie rose. Yes, I imagine. But I'm here for the night, so we might as well try before I leave. Grab your coat and hat, Monsieur Bisclavre, and a flashlight if you have one. We have a walk ahead of us, and a long night after. Pale and trembling slightly, Bisclavre rose. Minnie escorted him back to the front desk, where his coat hung off the back of his chair, and his hat sat by the till. He slowly pulled them on, and grabbed a lantern. He paused at the front door, his hand on the knob. Night, Damson. Marie's cottage. Is everything as it was... before? Per the order's request, the inspectors have not moved anything. Then, softening her voice, she added, I'm sorry to take you back to where your friend died, but this is important, and you know that. Anything to help us find the beast faster will save lives. He nodded once. I will do what I can. Beast Clavier opened the door, and nearly slammed it into a person running down the street. Not a moment later, the cathedral's bells began tolling, loud and resonant in the square and rolling out across the village and surrounding hills. Minnie glanced at the clock on the shop wall. 8.25. Not a time the bell would typically mark the hour. A crowd was beginning to form in the square, people running into it in singles and groups. Germain! Bisclavre called to a man he recognized. Why does the bell toll? The man shouted back, his words almost drowned out by the growing clamor of the filling square. Michel, the front is breached! The Germans are heading for the first firebreak! Shock bolted through Minnie, her stomach dropping. The first firebreak was in Sandy, a few miles west of them at the foot of the Vosges. Which meant that, to get there, the Germans would sweep through the mountains, taking or crushing everything in between. Including Sanctuaire à la Grotte.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The harrowing of Minerva Tamsin and its related stories are written, narrated, and produced by Jessica Linkhart and features additional voice work by Miranda Lewis, Claire Miller, and Jamie Sykes. Art assets done in collaboration with Mitch Lewis. Thank you for listening. Our tale will continue next week. <laughs>